it's my privilege to be here. And uh, I guess I will uh, explain a little bit about the Committee for Contact with the Government. Uh, we serve uh, as lay uh, leaders from congregations throughout Canada, and we serve to support the work of the Office of Social Justice, the Center for Public Dialogue, Office of Race Relations, uh, Indigenous Ministries. We are the, the, the arm that um, advocates for some of the issues that the Christian Reformed Church has decided that we want to really draw attention to, um, specifically around um, refugee settlement and indigenous reconciliation. Um, we've been praying for a really long time for uh, the truth and reconciliation calls to action to come to fruition in Canada. And so uh, I would just covet your prayers in this next season. It's not always an easy work um, that we're engaging in. And sometimes it involves conflict and differences of opinions. You might have a whole gathered uh, group of people who have a heart for one issue and very diverse ways of addressing those. And so that is a little bit about what I'm talking about this morning. Why don't I just get into it? Um, this morning, our scripture is from James 3, verses 13 through 4, verse 3 and 7 and 8a. It's a strange bit, but it's was part of the lectionary a couple weeks ago, so um, it does make sense. I'll draw it all together. Who is wise and understanding among you? Let them show it by their good life, by deeds, they, by deeds done and the humility that comes from wisdom. But if you harbor bitter envy and selfish ambition in your hearts, do not boast about it or deny the truth. Such wisdom does not come down from heaven, but is earthly, unspiritual, demonic even. For where you have envy and selfish ambition, there you find disorder in every evil practice. But the wisdom that comes from heaven is first of all pure, then peace-loving, considerate, submissive, full of mercy and good fruit, impartial and sincere. Peacemakers who sow in peace reap a harvest of righteousness. And actually, I'll just take a second. Another way to translate that is the fruit of justice is scatter planted in peace amongst the peacemakers. So that's the actual kind of uh, ruddy Greek but peace amongst the peacemakers is how the fruit of justice comes. What causes fights and quarrels among you? Don't they come from your desires that battle within you? You desire, but do not have, so you kill. You covet, but you cannot get what you want, so you quarrel and fight. You do not have because you do not ask God. When you ask, you do not receive, because you ask with wrong motives, that you may spend what you get on your pleasures. Submit yourselves, then, to God. Resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Come near to God, and he will come near to you. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Let's begin with a word of prayer. Holy Spirit, Thank you so much for the breath in our lungs. Thank you so much for what's going on in this building right now to uh, save lives from the, from the uh, elevator. Would we trust you, Jesus, to be with us, 
to speak to us through your spirit. We pray that your voice is louder than all the others. And we pray this in your holy name. Amen. So we have a large magnolia tree in our backyard. It's this beautiful tree that blooms faithfully every spring. It's the first sign of spring every year. When those buds start coming out, I know that winter's almost over, that summer is coming, that it is true, God is faithful in every season and every day. It's the time where all of a sudden flowers begin to emerge and they come against the gray sky of winter when all the other trees haven't even begun to bud, when everything is just sticks and dark. There's these beautiful flowers that emerge with this pop of color of peach and off-white and, and it just in the backdrop of the gray, it just reminds us of God's faithfulness except this year. Our tree didn't bloom like it normally does. It only had about 25% of the buds. Now gardeners might say it's because of a frost, but I think it was just because of this illustration that, that it happened. But the, the, the flowers that came were like kind of brown on the end. The colors weren't as bright. There weren't as many. They came and went within two days. It was so disappointing because that tree is a ton of work. It leaves about this much uh, foliage on the ground and it takes forever to clean up because it always drops its leaf at leaves after the other trees in our yard. So the, the very benefit of that tree all throughout the year is this one time and it was a disappointment. Now I don't know about you, but for me in this little, last little season of COVID, it kind of feels like I'm a tree that hasn't maybe bloomed as fully as normal. Uh, just kind of feels like there's less beauty and bloom in our churches even sometimes these days as we're kind of forced apart and we're forced to do different things. It feels like maybe there's less fruit. If we think about the church around the world, there are times there are Christians who are fighting one another, who worship the same God, who worship Jesus Christ, and violence foments. They're not bearing fruit just like that magnolia tree. Our text this morning is to the churches of the Jewish diaspora. They're Jewish Christians throughout. And like this quote, by Baruch Spinoza. Now, he was in the 1600s, so right around the Reformation when people were killing each other in the name of Jesus. And he was a Jewish philosopher who said, I have often wondered that persons who make boast of professing the Christian religion, namely love, joy, peace, temperance, and charity to all humans or men, should quarrel with such rancorous animosity and display daily towards one another such bitter hatred that this, rather than the virtues which they profess, is the readiest criteria of their faith. Now, if you've ever, I don't know, looked at a, a social media post lately on your favorite Christian author, and maybe you've read any of those uh, comments underneath, and you might find some people who think that author is like God himself, and then others who have called him the devil. 
We worship the same God. And yet, raise your hand if you've experienced animosity, rancorous animosity, in some Christian circles, in some of our conversations as of late. We're not new. This isn't a new thing. This is back in the 1700s. And also back when James was writing to the churches that he was in charge of. These churches were experiencing some tensions. Not unlike the tensions that we're facing. There were uh, social political tensions. There, was war. there were wars breaking out in the wider world. There were some Jewish uh, zealots who were revolting against Rome. Rome was cracking down. And these Jewish Christians were, were no strangers to animosity or bitterness. In their own churches, they were uh, fighting with one another. They were envious of each other, jealous of each other. Earlier in chapter 3, James kind of gives us a hint at what that looks like. And I, I think you guys might have heard a sermon on James not too, too long ago. From themes in chapter 3, we can kind of imagine, get a little sense that um, teachers were competing with one another. They were taking certain proof texts, maybe out of the, the Torah, comparing their wisest arguments against one another. Maybe they were seeking knowledge to trip each other up or prove the other one wrong. It's enough to suggest, like, the world around them, they may have been given to violence. We aren't exactly sure if they were physically violent with one another from the text itself, but we know at the very least they were killing one another with their words. And to James, their words matter. Because their words are their works. And those words that they were saying, they were undermining any good thing that they were attempting to do, any holiness they attempted to follow. James says, hey, what you need to do is shake off that earthly wisdom and seek wisdom from heaven. Because the earthly wisdom, that's Satan's schemes. The wisdom from heaven is different. James points out exactly what that wisdom from heaven is. He calls it pure, peace-loving, considerate, submissive. And this word is like a mutual submission and love. Merciful, impartial. Earlier, he, James talks about how the church was to be impartial to those who have money or have no money because God was impartial to those who have money or who have no money. The wisdom that comes from heaven is sincere. It's not hip hypocritical. The words match the actions of the heart. And he says, these words, they bear good fruit of peace and justice. Back to that verse 18, that the fruit of justiceness, justice is scatter-planted and peace amongst the peacemakers. You see, because he realized that when there was no peace amongst people who proclaimed to be peacemakers, who's really peaceful at all? What James is doing in this section of the text is, is mirroring the Torah itself. Isaiah verses, uh, chapter 1, verses 16 through 17. Stop doing wrong. Learn to do right. Seek justice. Defend the cause of the fatherless. Plead the case of the widow. Encourage the oppressed. These are all things with words. 
And James is mirroring the, all the philosophy that was in, you know, contained in the Psalms and Proverbs. And a lot of it is about words and wisdom. In Proverbs 10, wise hearts accept commands. A chattering fool comes to ruin. Raise your hand if you're a chattering fool. That's me. 10, 11. Mouth, the mouth of the righteous is a fountain of light, but the mouth of the wicked conceals violence. Proverbs 10, 21. Lips of the righteous nourish many, but fools die for lack of sense. Chapter 11. Unwise, the unwise destroy their neighbors with their mouths. They betray confidence through gossip. The unwise words pierce like swords, but the tongue of the wise bring healing. The wise answer gently. The unwise stir up conflict, separate close friends through gossip, but the unwise find no pleasure in understanding, but delight in airing their own opinions. Let's see if we've seen that on social media lately. Earlier in chapter 1, James says, Don't just listen to the word of God, do what it says. In chapter 2, show no favoritism to the wealthy, for mercy triumphs over, over judgment. And at the end of the day, he's saying true wisdom comes from God. And James reminds them to ask from God, whose heart is for the poor, the widows, and orphans. Wisdom is works done in humility knowing god's character and molding our hearts after his but if we think about conventional wisdom today what do we consider earthly wisdom here in canada i suppose if you ask a young person they might say somebody who has seen a lot more of the world they, they're not wise as a young person and if you ask an older person they might say, they've seen too much of the world. They're not wise as an old person. But what is this idea of conventional wisdom, earthly wisdom? You might think of a professor who stays up to date on the latest research. Or maybe a, a successful business owner who has made a, a lot of um, important work in the, in the economy and, and who has a proven track record. We might think of a politician, someone who uh, is familiar with a variety of cultures, or someone who um, is versed in good governance and social order. You might think of them as wise, though I would say a lot of people would say less so these days. But most often, conventional wisdom is based on survival of the fittest, if we think about it. The one who's considered wisest is the last one standing, even if it means they've gone gotten there through unhealthy competition or unholy desires. And sometimes we can see this in the church today. Sometimes we base wisdom on earthly means. Whoever is the most successful economically, we hear those terms, butts in the seats, or the ones on the other end who have not you know, changed their ways to meet the needs of the community that they've held firm in their traditions. In this last season, I've heard some church members boast about their church, that they've grown in the pandemic because they 
decided not to close their doors when other churches were closing their doors. And then I've heard other Christians boast that their churches were growing because they went online when other churches were staying open. It had me wondering, which is wise? You see, we can't look at God, earthly standards to decide wisdom in these days. Because there are some things that God just hasn't revealed to us. There are mysteries of life that he has not made us privy to. There's problems in the world, thankfully, that he has not burdened us with. And so we need his wisdom to figure out next steps, to determine how to bring people together who are so seemingly diametrically opposed to one another. And it's simply not enough to look at wisdom in the world's terms. We must seek God. We need to discern what is wise because we have a lot of big issues that we're facing. Big issues like climate change, indigenous reconciliation, racism, human sexuality debates. All of these problems are so complex because they involve the human condition. The only way we're going to get through them and be together and be united in the name of Jesus Christ is for God's wisdom to reign. In her book on becoming wise, I, I read this book Krista, by Krista Tippett, and I thought, okay, in this book, I'm going to learn how to become wise. She wrote, the world right now needs the most vivid, transformative universe of words that you and I can muster. Now, I would say, I would add to that quote, that you and I can hear from the Holy Spirit. Because we can't muster the words that will get us out of our problems. We need God's wisdom. Her book was written before the pandemic, before family divisions started to erode relationships, before church debates. We need the most vivid, transformative universe of words that only the divine can provide. And God, through his grace, he promised that early church his wisdom just by asking for it with a selfless heart. He was inviting his church to words that bring about peace. Words that would encourage the downtrodden or defend the cause and plead the case. Their words are works. And God intends for his gathered people to compete, not for his affections, he intends for his gathered people to live secure in his impartial love for every single one of them. In the time of James, when he wrote this letter, God hadn't burdened him with all the information about what was going to happen with Rome. He didn't have any idea that that network of churches would spend 2,000 years bickering and arguing and debating theological issues. He had no idea that God would all work it out somehow and we would still be gathered together here today. 
What James did know, however, was the character of God because he saw it in Jesus Christ. And Jesus used his words to proclaim good news to the poor, freedom to the prisoners, and recovery of sight to the blind. He used his words to set the oppressed free and to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor and look for. And then he breathed his last words, Jesus said, forgive them. And he did the very one work through words that brought us all together. The Father, through Jesus, offers his people then and today the free invitation to ask him for wisdom and promises us that as we draw near to him, he's going to draw near to us. He's going to show his favor upon us. All we have to do is ask. In our work with the Committee for Contact with Government, sometimes we're privy to debates between Christians. Sometimes we hear Christians who have different opinions about how things should be done or whether we should be talking about a topic or not everyone is always united on a topic. And I remember there was one particular colleague that um, we, just, we just didn't see eye to eye. We saw the world in a different way from one another. And we tried to work it out. We tried to figure, you know, we tried to do the things that you do to reconcile. You walk, you, you go for walks, you have dinner at each other's houses. And for months, I tried it on my own. And finally, I went to my mentor and I said, I don't know what else to do. And my mentor said, what did Jesus say about it? And I realized I had never asked. I had spent so much time trying to figure out how this peacemaking thing really worked. I had never thought to seek the wisdom that is available 100% of the time. When I finally approached the Lord, and I finally asked in prayer. I learned it wasn't about me at all. These were bigger issues, and this way of being in relationship with one, another, with one another and loving one another and yet also having differences of opinion was something I was just going to have to get used to. Something remarkable happened to that magnolia tree. In the heat of August, the sweltering humid action, remember that like, period of time where it was so hot outside, we like, wanted to peel our skin off, it was so hot? That tree began to bloom. I'll show you a picture. Like never before. Now normally the tree would bloom maybe by May, maybe the latest in June, but this was at the end of August into September. It started to bloom. And this time I could see these flowers behind a green foliage. Normally, there's no green leaves behind it. it. And now I could see the flowers individually so beautiful, like I could never before. I could appreciate them. And I couldn't have appreciated them this way amongst the, behind the blue sky of summer, like I would have in the spring behind the gray sky of winter. And just like that magnolia tree, it's never too late to seek the wisdom of the Lord. It's not about age. Youth, you guys can have as much wisdom of the Lord as your grandparents. Grandparents, maybe there's 
things that you've been trying to go for a really long time on your own and you forgot to ask. It's never too late to seek the Lord and he'll draw near to you. Because we need to bloom together. We're created to bloom together. Godly wisdom brings about peace. And he invites us to cast our anxieties on him because he actually cares. 1 Peter 5, verses 5 through 9. His desire for us isn't a need to be right. He cares for us because he cares for us, period. We don't have to be overwhelmed by differences of opinions. When you have maybe relationships at work or relationships in your family, relationships with your immediate family or your extended family, church relationships. When we have a difference of opinion, we don't have to be overwhelmed. We just have to be on our knees. We're meant to bloom together. So I'd like to invite you. The second part, the last half of verse 8, verse B, 8B, it's almost as if it was written for today. Wash your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. Now, the lectionary doesn't include that, but what a season of this. That What if every day when we washed our hands, we asked for the Lord's wisdom this week? And that whatever relationship we have that just doesn't feel like we're really united, that we would wash our hands and pray and ask the Lord for his will to be done. Let's pray. Oh Lord, thank you for making us bloom together. Thank you for your plan in this world that we would join one another and bear fruit for your kingdom. We pray this week that we would increasingly ask for your wisdom, that we, you would bring to mind this week those areas of our lives and our relationships that You may want us to go a little bit deeper where you want peace for the peacemakers. May our hands and our feet and our voices move as you would choose. And may our moments and our days flow in endless praise. Amen. Before our closing song and before I end in a word of blessing, I'd like to lead us in um, just a call and response on Article 1 of the Belgic Confession. James knew the character of God. And so when he was advising people to seek God's wisdom, it was an easy piece of advice. And so we do too. What do you believe about God? We believe in our hearts and confess with our mouths that there is a single and simple spiritual being whom we have called eternal, incomprehensible, invisible, unchangeable, infinite, almighty, completely wise, just and good, and the overflowing source of all good. Go with the Lord's blessing. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May he make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. May he turn his face toward you and give give you his wisdom and peace. Amen.